It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. It is Inside the Gamecocks, the show on a Monday. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He's Phil Mullinax. Morning, rock and rolling. Good morning. So, um, so anyway, nice to be here. Gamecocks uh, won a game Saturday night, Nashville, Tennessee, thirty-eight twenty-seven over Vanderbilt. Looked like a good crowd showed up up there. So, shout out to all of you that made your way to the Music City to support the Gamecocks. Carolina normally takes a good crowd up there. It was noticeable on the TV, though. Um, that stadium's weird because man, there's so many. It's so it's small, but then there's so many empty seats. It's like ample seating. <laughs> you know, you you, you know you, those Vandy tickets don't really rank all that high in terms of the the Nashville thing. And uh, to Saunders, yes, it is a Bucky shirt. Uh, picked oh. it up in Richmond, Kentucky, uh, on my way back from uh, East Tennessee, Fourth of July, with the, the lady. Got some brisket. Got a brisket sandwich, man. Uh, Bucky's is, is where it's happening. <laughs> uh, I know people lost their mind in Florence when they opened the Bucky's there. There's a line down the interstate. Mm. No. Uh, from what I was told, I don't know. Man. Uh, I don't know what happened there. But uh, Natus Port's chat box is on the poll question of the day. And I, I'm going to tweet it during the first break. I didn't get to do that. I had to put my game thoughts up. And every day we do a, an article about the show on the big spur.com. So I had two articles to write in like an hour and 15 minutes. Thank God the time changed. I got that extra hour of sleep. Yeah, no so doubt. So I'm rocking and rolling, man. <laughs> this is my prime time right now. But, uh, he, uh, but anyways, I had to put that up. So I didn't get in the poll, but the poll, poll simply is this. Are you surprised at the offensive approach South Carolina took against Vandy? Um, I, I thought that, that kind of uh, game plan is probably what this offense should have been doing the whole year. Uh, just to be honest, I, I'm not a big fan of, <clears throat> you know, only making a, a, a team defend one side of the field. Uh, I think that uh, it's good when you've got that balance. You, you watch a team like Georgia play, uh, and they use some of the same formations the Gamecocks do. The play calling's at another level, but I, I say that with respect because – uh, no, there's not many that are at Todd Monken's level right now calling plays, I don't think. I mean, he's just good, really masterful at what he does. Um, but, you know, you watch Georgia. Georgia goes, and they'll attack one side, and then they'll go the other. And then you just – it's hard to stop because you don't really know, you know, where things are coming from, who's going to get the ball, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, when you don't have Lloyd, you know, you got it to Bell. Bell got the ball. Uh, as we all suspected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought, you know, for Christian Bill Smith to run that long touchdown pass was big for his confidence. I mean, the guy hadn't – I mean, he, he's found a way to the end zone a bunch. I think it's five mm-hmm. touchdowns now for him. Mm-hmm. But didn't I think that was like half of his yardage for the season on that one run. Uh, <laughs> right. I, t- I tell you, Phil, what I really like about him, he keeps his legs moving, man. If you don't, get him, yeah. if you don't mm-hmm. get him on the ground, he's, he's shown that, uh, you know, he can – break out of the scrum, so to speak. Mm-hmm. No, uh, he's a fall forward kind of guy too. Like he's going to keep pushing that momentum forward every time he goes down. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it was something else. So I, th- I thought that, uh, 
That was a good play. I think Xavier Leggett continues to come on. We all were told and knew that he was improved this past offseason. I think that that, uh, that big touchdown uh, kickoff return for the touchdown against A&M, I think that sparked his confidence a bit, Phil. Yeah, Because uh, mm-hmm. when, when he has the ball now, he's just playing with a, uh, with a lot more confidence and letting his natural speed, athleticism, and size sort of take over. Um, mm-hmm. I've been pro- preaching all year about getting Juice Wells the ball. I'm still not happy with four catches for him. Yeah, right, uh, right. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that number double, but I think we all know when you get the ball to Juice, good things tend to happen. Good stuff um, happens. Yeah, the, the, the Karrion Joiner thing, and Phil, I got to give you credit. You talked about Joiner all week last week. I, I, I didn't. I was worried. I, I didn't mention it that much myself because I was mm-hmm. a little concerned that we would just see the one play Joiner deal, and then take him back out. Sometimes that will disrupt your momentum. I think what they did with the Karrion when he was in by letting him throw the ball actually served to kind of settle Spencer Rattler in a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think to carry on a quarterback, I think that's what he is. Uh, you know, it was good to see him contribute to this year's team. I think we were all kind of wondering, um, but he's a quarterback. I mean, that, that's people try to make him a receiver, try to make him this, that, and the other. I think he's a quarterback. And, and I think when he can go out there and do quarterback things, it helps, mm-hmm. uh, oh, you know, yeah. you know I, I think it helps the team and all that. I think, yeah. That one pass allowed him to actually run it effectively. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Later in the game, right? There we yeah, go. You that, know, right? and that was uh, <laughs> they had been uh, from what Beamer said. They've been they practice that play all the time and practice and always works. <laughs> That's a play to Juice Wells. You probably should have run it, you know, at some point. But uh, hey, how about it? How about the carry on had done that against Georgia? Instead of uh, just running right up the middle. Instead of just running it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would have mm-hmm. rather seen that. But uh, anyway, forgive and forget on that. Beautiful play. And then on actually got out of pressure, got out of harm's way, and found the guy, found it juice down the field and got that. That was good. Beautiful touchdown passes to Leggett and Van by Spencer Rattler, who I thought played about as well as he has all year. Uh, just mm-hmm. accurate. Uh, the arm talent was there. It was nice to see a post or whatever that play was to look at. We hadn't seen that. I, mean, I hadn't seen anything like that all year. I mean, I don't know if they just haven't gotten it off or, or what, but, you know, I believe that, I mean, th- this team's got the ability to throw it down the field yes, um, yeah. <laughs> and to throw 25-yard touchdowns. I mean, it's just uh, just one of those things. Defensively, it was very disappointing in terms of the, the yardage allowed, the sloppy play, their penalties mm-hmm. again. Uh, the secondary had some injuries in game that I think hurt them. Uh, the defensive line needs to cut, like look in the mirror and, and, and check themselves. Uh, I did think Jordan Birch had a good game. I thought, yeah, I thought Birch was, was active and all over the place. Uh, Taka Hemingway always has a good game, but the others, uh, it may be time to look and say, look, you know, we were really good against AM and Kentucky. Um, the last two, not so good, you know, That's and you got the Gators coming up, and Florida will line up and run it. Uh, Tony Morell pointed this out on our site. Florida, Florida, they'll, they'll run it 45 times if you let them. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all saw what happens in the swamp in 2018 when you can't stop their run game. Sometimes they're opposing – that's a different coach, Dan Mullen, but they'll just line up and run it all over you and come back. All of a sudden, you're sitting there going, oh, what happened? Well, you can't stop the run. So, you got to start stopping the run. Got to get it Richardson on the ground. It should be an exciting week of preparation. I think Vanderbilt's offense has improved, and I've said that all year, more than just about any other team. Uh, sure, they got shut down pretty good by Bama and Georgia, but 
Bama and Georgia, I don't know what's wrong with Bama right now, but Georgia, <laughs> Georgia's pretty doggone good. And, you know, Ole Miss boat raced them, but they moved the ball and scored against Ole Miss. I, mean, I think it's a dangerous offense. I mean, I know Missouri kind of shut them down, but I, I, I'm, I'm thinking this. I, I think Missouri feels sort of an outlier this year. Now, look, there's no excuse for Carolina losing that game. And had they kind of done what they did against Vandy uh, and tried to keep the Missouri defense off balance a little better, I, I think we'd have seen a different result. But I'll tell you, too, a little too late for that one. But but I think Missouri's like an outlier. I think their defense is top three in the league, like really, really good. Like they they're not they're really not as good as Bama and Georgia, but they're up there, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got players. They got players in the secondary. They got good linebackers. They got good defensive line. And I, I just think they're an outlier. And, and and their offense struggles, and you know they should have beaten Kentucky this weekend. They kind of got hosed, but uh, we got uh, an IHEL Consulting mailbag question I answered on the Big Spur about that, about referees. They look more like Hans and Franz from Saturday Night Live, and I I, I don't know that Hans and Franz couldn't have called a better game. And, and it's not just the guys in college either. NFL yesterday, the Bears got completely hosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they need to start doing something about pass interference. And I don't quite know how you do that. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, cause if you start sl- stopping for every PI to review it, it's going to slow the game way, way down. And I mean, it's yeah, going to be so messy. awful. Yeah. Like and, the um, year in the NFL where they were reviewing pass interferences, the game yeah, just drag on. It oh just drags. So, so what I, what I propose is maybe they just do it kind of like they do targeting. Uh, and, and every PI is an auto review, so they get right on it. Uh, and then if there's an issue, they buzz and say, no, no, that was the wrong call, correct it. And then you're not sitting there with – you can't ask for a replay. You can't do, you know, uh, all that good stuff. So that's mm-hmm. um, that's the deal there. Uh, you know, again, Vanderbilt, pretty good team on offense. I was surprised they didn't play Mike Wright more after what happened last year. They kind of went with the freshman, and, you know, he's a pretty good player, and uh, they got receivers. They got a good back. Uh, hats off to Clark Lee for improving that program of the Gamecocks win their 14th straight in the series. Uh, and it was kind of funny. I was sitting there watching it and, you know, we were, we had two TVs going because obviously there was a Notre Dame game that the fiance wanted to watch <laughs> uh, Saturday night. I was, I had Bama up on my phone. So I, had, I, I was in heaven a little bit there. Uh, so we're watching it and all of a sudden the Commodore ship, you know, they go at the stadium. Mm-hmm. And that was like, what in God's name is that? <laughs> I said, that's the ship, honey. And, you know, the Commodore, you know, the. That's very. Nashville, you know, so close to the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. The port of Nashville. <laughs> so, anyway, so that was interesting right there. Nana Sports Chat Box, as always, we appreciate you guys getting in. We love the chat box and we're very chat box focused here. Uh, Keith's coming up, right? I didn't. Yep. Yep, I didn't. Yep, yep. I, was, I was coming in here, on, flying in here on fumes, and so uh, Keith at noon to give. He his has not take. told me otherwise. Yes, yeah, right. that's good. Mm-hmm. So he's good. So that'll be good. I know everybody looks forward to that. Clint, Craig, say happy Monday. Jeremy says first time listening live. What it do? Welcome in, oh, Jeremy. JC. <laughs> Doc Graveyard says money and bowl eligible. Good morning. Yep, they're going to yeah. bowl again, and that, that's really? important, man. I, I think that's important. I'd love to see them get one of these last three or two. Mm-hmm. But, ha, will it we'll happen? I, I don't know. We'll Carolina Empire, what's up, dudes? Jared says, nice dub against the doors. Clint says, it's amazing the difference in the mood of a fan base with a 6-3 and three record versus 7-2. and two. <clears throat> And, Clint, you, you make a good point right there. A lot of those 7-2s, and 6-2s, like it was pointed out to me 
um, from one of my contacts that uh, I was like, well, um, you know, and, and they're like, well, we blew it. And I was like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, you look at the college football playoff rankings, had Carolina beaten Missouri, they're probably up top 25, top 18 right now. Yeah, they're probably inside the 20, yeah, is what I figured. Th- there's mm-hmm. all these se- six and twos last week or seven and twos this week. So, yeah, that one game, Clint, at least for right now, did make a difference. Um, Saunders says, did anyone get a clip of the SEC Network pregame guys watching Beamer mouth that they're idiots? I haven't been able to find a clip anywhere. What What did he say? Idiots? I haven't even heard that. I, I haven't heard know. of it. No, so that's not uh, – that's just one of those things. Um, Jeff Fowler, good morning. Not sure what was worth the, worse, the 12 penalties or the 12 Clemson threads Saturday night on TBS. <laughs> LOL, go Cox and Semper Fi. Right. I, I'm going to – Thank you for your service, Jeff Fowler. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and like apologize. I mean, not a, stand up for the folks on TBS with those Clemson threads. It's just, I mean, look, I think we can all agree this year's Clemson team probably not as good as some previous teams. Uh, they kind of been living dangerously all year, uh, but they were still eight and zero going into the game. I mean, they lose so infrequently these days. Yeah, because it used to be when both teams were trying to win seven and get to a bowl, it was kind of a spirited back and forth. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you know Carolina would lose a game, close of people would be happy and, and all that. Well, well, they just they just haven't lost a whole lot, you know. So, obviously, the, 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 the few times that they – I mean, they got their butts kicked too. I mean, yeah. it's, sometimes it's rare. <laughs> it's even more rare when they don't play, you know, pretty well. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and, and at least make a game of it, but they didn't Saturday night. But uh, so Carolina, uh, you know, I'm going to give I'm going to give the Carolina people a little bit of a uh, little bit of slack on that. You know, and I know like just from a message board moderation standpoint, you don't want 12 threads on one game. Right. <laughs> uh, and I get it. But people people don't read all the threads before they post and that kind of thing. So that's a lot. That's a logistics thing on the big spur. We'll clean up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc says, what happened to our defense? That's worrisome. Yeah, it's got to get better, Doc. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they got off – I don't know, man. They didn't really do a great job stopping these guys last year either. I don't know what scheme or, or what. I, I mean, they, they did they early. I mean, it seemed like there was going to be some adjustments in the second half, but penalties just killed any momentum you had coming out yeah. you know, defensively at that point. You know, but, 12, 12 penalties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Zach says our linebacker play has been very bad. Emin Warre and BJ Gibson led the team in tackles. That's not good. Um, J Rock says, JC, I bet your lady was happy. Clemson got dominated by the Irish. She was happy. She was very, very happy. <laughs> um, Thomas comes in. What's up, guys? I really like Joiner at QB. I do too. I think I, I think that's just what he is. Sometimes it's just the obvious uh and, and what makes him good at quarterback, I don't know that that really can come out when you're kind of just watching him throw, Phil, like at practice or something. Or, you yeah. know, I remember watching him at Elite 11, and you're kind of like, I don't know about this guy. I think when the lights come on, he's one of those guys that just instinctively knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you think about it, you know, the, the few times he has actually played quarterback at South Carolina, he's been solid. I mean – you can't do much better than nine for nine against the Tar Heels. Um, I thought the fact that, that when he came in against Georgia in 2019, the second half, I I was like, oh, there it goes. You know, there's going to be some mistake made. Dude, it, no mistakes, completed. I mean, didn't want to ask to do a whole lot, but had a nice little run. 
uh, completed a nice pass to Nick Muse for a first down, and that allowed the clock to kind of run, you know, So because Georgia kept knocking on the door that, that day. I mean, they, they, they had 500 yards of offense against the Gamecocks, but it was kind of a bend that don't break. They kept throwing picks to McWamu. Uh, but Joyner coming in allowed, you know, and settling everything in and not making mistakes and making some key plays here and there really helped. And so, you know, and then you got the game Saturday night where I thought he played pretty well. So that's, uh, that's kind of just is what he is. I don't know that this is a two quarterback system, but I think he's a good change up. And, you know, it it wasn't lost on me that Rattler kind of was just like got back in and was relaxed and calm and firing the ball over the field. And like, wow, we hadn't seen this very much this year. Mm -mm, Um, Will Will says, Will said early in the game didn't feel like Satterfield calling plays. Yeah, it, 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 well, it reminded me of the bowl game. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think maybe sometimes, and look, I don't know that we're going to have to worry about this for too much longer, but I think sometimes uh, your inclination to go out and try new things and, and all that, you know, sort of like what makes Pete Limbo such a good special teams coach. He, he's always kind of thinking, how can I do this? How can I do that? What can I try? And kind of throwing caution to the wind. Uh, I think that helps too. Just like the defense, I think. Um, and and I need to look and kind of chart this and see. You know, the beginning of the year, it didn't seem like the, the defensive front was going on the attack. And I think in the second half of the Charlotte game, they started doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's when the, this defense is at its best when they attack. The offense is at its best when they're making you defend the entire field and, and, and they can run the ball. I mean, it. Again, it was a game where Carolina was able to run it pretty good. I mean, 208 rushing yards is not uh, slack. So, um, 284 through the air too. So I, they were they were balanced, and you know when you when you make it when you're not all bunched up on one side, and and, and, and you know there's no space for anybody to go when you kind of spread it out and you're running reverses and miscorrections and attacking the edge. I mean, I think that's that's probably what you should should have been doing all year. Yeah, and it was uh, a so game we'll plan that, you know, his hand was forced to have to account for your number one piece being missing. So it was like you had yeah. to get creative, had to do something different. So yeah, yeah. we were happy to see that it was productive. Churchill says, Churchill, Churchill's English pub club. I just want to see this in a big game. He seems to open it up against lesser opponents. I don't know, man. Open it up. Well, I mean, I think – I think that's that's a that's a loaded kind of kind of deal because you know what what do we mean by open it up? I agree. Uh, I think he knew they were going to move it on Vandy and he knew they were going to move it on North Carolina last year. But um, you know, and, and I don't know. There are a lot of gadget plays and stuff like that. I don't, you know, I thought uh, the actual you know I don't know if you call them trick plays, gadget plays, plays that are you know, not normal, (laughs) Uh, you know, whatever you want to call them. I I thought that was one thing, you know, and it's easy to sit there and go, oh, great play calling when you're dialing up a bunch of weird stuff and it works, right? Mm Because that is good play calling. But but what I liked about the play calling was was not so much the the gadgets and all that. I'm glad they worked and it's all good. But the fact that they made them defend the entire field. Right. There's a big, long field. Talking about all year, there's a whole field there. Yeah. How many yards? 65 yards across, I think. It's football field. So, you know, I, and I thought the Gamecocks did that. And I thought they did it in the bowl last year. If you think about the plays, all right, so we're going to go over here to Juju in the flat. Okay, well, now we're going to go over here to Marion in the flat. Well, now we're going to go down the field on this. Well, now we're going to run it, you know. 
in too many times this year, you've just seen run, 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 pass, 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 run, 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 you know. And uh, that's easier to defend. Clint says the defense struggled again. That's definitely a concern about our perimeter run defense. Yeah, and look, the perimeter run defense used to be the worst in the SEC, I thought, <laughs> a few years ago when Muschamp was around. Um, they just didn't have guys that liked to tackle out there. Um, I thought they had kind of fixed it. Uh, you know, playing Florida, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stop the run in the middle and stop the runs on the perimeter. You know, Sonder asked, "Was Cam benched in the second half for his altercation?" I don't think so. I didn't think that was Cam's fault, but no, I have reported that he had a bit of a he was dealing with like a chest cold, and that's why we didn't see him very much. But he should be okay for next week. Yeah, and Dial got banged up. Just to answer your question, there, Rob says. I was there and had an amazing time. I tweeted the picture of Coach Beamer and my son after the game together. He responded back, said he couldn't wait to start recruiting my son. That's awesome, Rob. And nice. that's what Beamer, that's what Beamer's all about, man. That's what Beamer's all about. You know, he, he understands and gets it. Um, Will says, I still don't understand why Joyner and Rattler can't be in there at the same time. Line Joyner up as a running back and make the team account for Joyner throwing it. I think it's a good idea to do every now and then, but you start getting too much into the weeds on that. It was It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Bree says the play wasn't supposed to go to Wells. It was meant to be a downfield pass. Abs- actually, it was, but he broke that off, and uh, and and they they connected. Uh, it was supposed to be a a uh, a post to mm-hmm. Wells, so that was uh, that's confirmed on that end. Uh, but you know what, Lady Bree, if it wasn't supposed to go to Wells, maybe it should have. <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> I mean, every time they get this guy the ball, he makes things happen, and they get it. They they need to get it to him downfield. He's much, you know, he, he is. It's it's a lot easier for him to kind of weave through defensive backs and, and break free than mm-hmm. to have like five guys around him and, and somebody misses a block and you're dead. Yeah. Uh, Le- Leggett dropped and was intercepted on a similar play a few games ago. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Pickens was in the backfield all night. Yeah, Pickens played well. Um. I think the it's, only thing uh, that overshadowed his games was he was responsible for the two penalties that essentially cost us seven points in the yeah uh, their third quarter drive. That was that those penalties were really tough, really yeah. tough. Um, Contrell says Tonka seems like one of those guys who's going to kill the combine and shoot up the draft boards. He's a heck of an athlete. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's <laughs> playing well, and I love how they use him. You know, and and I think we all thought when they because Zach Pickens was a running back in high school uh, and a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought we all kind of thought, you know, uh, well, Zach Pickens will be like, like Christian Wilkins was used at Clemson, you know, mm-hmm. that guy. Uh, I think that's kind of what we, if, if, if you'd have told me when Pickens signed that Pickens would be doing this, I wouldn't be surprised, but lo and behold, it's Tonka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and Tonka, what I loved about him coming out, man, he's a three sport athlete. Your, your guys that play a bunch of sports, those guys are winners and they, mm-hmm. they don't get a lot of. You know, there's no pressure because they, they've been in the bottom of the ninth inning needing to strike out in baseball. They've got gone to the line with a one-and-one one to tie the game in basketball. You know, they, they've had the big sack or catch in football. Um, and that's why Tonka's always kind of calm, cool, and collective. I mean, there's a lot of D-linemen out there when they got that shot at catching it, uh, they dropped it, dropped the ball. I mean, it, it was a good pass from Kroger, but it was just like, it was, it was close, tight window. Because when he yeah, threw it, I went, contested? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I went, oh, no, Peter. You know, and I saw it. And when I, when I saw him catch it, I, they, the on TV, the, the number was blind. I th- actually thought it was uh, Stogner to begin with. And I was like, oh, no, it's, it's, 
Daggum Hemingway. <laughs> Hemingway. Snurry so, goes rumbling down uh, the field. I'm like, go, man, go. <laughs> He's going to score a touchdown before the end of the season. Something to yeah, Including yeah. the ball game. You got four more games. Do not be surprised to see Hemingway in the end zone. <laughs> Taco will get in the end zone at some point. Um, Brad says, thought it was a good game. Lots of folks mad about the second half, which I don't get. We had a big lead, possessed the ball, and run the clock. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't like – I thought when they had 31 and a half, I'm like, man, they may score half a hundred this game. Right. Yeah, and and they didn't. On our way. <laughs> but, look, man, you know, you kind of take it what you can get. It was a good win. Vandy's very dangerous. I mean, like I said, there's a reason – like, like I said, I, I'd been worried. I've been almost, like, not in my stomach worried about this game all year. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they'll go up to Vandy and lose. Vandy's going to get it all together. Uh, and so when they lost to Missouri, I kind of said, well, they'll they'll, re- they'll, re- they'll rebound and, and Vandy will get Carolina's best game. But I think you see what could have happened had Carolina not played well or not made those big yeah. plays. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they played well. I think they were really sloppy in a lot of ways. But they big played Vandy to death because they have better players. I mean, South Carolina's offensive weapons are better than Vandy's defense, you know, period. Bottom line, mm-hmm. end of story. Uh, so that's why everybody's always like, get the ball to your playmakers. <laughs> Simple, right? Lance says, interesting concept. <laughs> Lance says, what up, killers? Better Monday, huh? Uh, Zach says, going to get six loss Jimbo today. First half defensive background. Oh, Lady Bree on her uh, YouTube page. Defensive background set the premiere on YouTube at 2 p.m. After the other podcasts are done, it's super extensive and points out glaring, two glaring issues in the defensive scheme. Uh, the commentator was making a joke about Beamer talking about them. Or the SEC Network guys were watching the pregame feed and zoomed in on Beamer. They just got through picking Vandy to win and, be- and Beamer mouth, those idiots in Charlotte picked us to lose. They did. Well, that's what happens when you, you don't have a good offense, Coach Beamer. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it looks good. It looked brutal. So, uh, you know, uh, that's the thing there. Uh, hey, Cavalier says, do you think it was Sack calling plays Saturday night or another coordinator on staff? It was Marcus Satterfield. And he goes, ain't no way it was Sack calling plays. It was. And, and look, he's done it before in the bowl game last year. That's what's so maddening about this whole thing. Um, so come on, guys, stop that narrative. Other than the DK package, everything was similar. And Beamer said it's been in the playbook all year. Well, the playbooks, there's a lot that's in the playbook, Lady Bree. A whole lot. There's a bunch. Yeah, too much is the thing. <laughs> you open the playbook, and it's like in the beginning there was football, and there was a. There, there's a, probably three plays in there where Jordan Birch throws the football, and we've only seen one. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it was in the beginning, there was football. And football was here. It's like the King James version of a playbook. We have more vertical passes and more passes, not swings for 10 yards or more. Saunders says, Lady Bree says, I record and watch multiple times. You guys went to bed after the game. I was up working. A friend of mine called. He said he thought Beamer was calling plays since his play card was several times larger than the one he normally has while I was almost rolled out of my head. I think... All right, so you're the head coach. You know, you're going to be a little more involved, you know, with it. Um, I, I will say, and Lady Brief does point this out, she's not any more happy with the play call than you were last week. And, and that's kind of what I'm saying, because when, when you have a lot of gadget plays that work, it looks impressive, and you're like, man, this guy's cutting edge. And, and not always uh, 
it's not always the case. I, I think South Carolina's got better athletes, and uh, and that's what showed. And they got they did a good job getting the ball to their athletes. But, but what I liked about it, and it's not so much play calling as game plan, I would say, is that they made Vanderbilt defend the entire field. Uh, yeah. Restricting your offense makes no sense. Brad Crawford said it two weeks ago before, before the Missouri game. And th- this seemed less restrictive. And lo and behold, Rattler played well. Josh Van catches a great touchdown. Uh, Wells made a big play. Xavier Leggett's coming along. I, you know, Jaheim Bell at running back, I still think he's an F receiver. Uh, that's what he should be primarily. Uh, and then play him at running back or tight end or whatever, move him around like you could. I still don't let they figure that out. Uh, but then again, you're like, well, who's going to play running back? You know, mm-hmm. if, if Amos and Carroll aren't ready to go uh, and CBS is banged up and, you know, you're not going to run Juju that many times between the tackles, then you need somebody. It may as well be Jaheim. Yeah. Um, but you know what? That the 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 fullback dive or the belly is what they were calling it this last weekend. That's a pro- that might be the last time you can use that before it gets yeah. blown up because we've seen that way too many times. Anytime he goes in as the halfback and then the regular running back's the fullback, regular running back gets the ball. It's been effective, but now we've seen that three or four times. So now you've developed the tendency. Yeah, that is very good point. I agree. That which is so, the thing, it was like you know, because it, it's like you got the gimmicky crap going on, you know, and stuff like that. And, and it almost got to the point where I was like, eh, We might, you know, this might be a little too much. Maybe, <laughs> it's effective, but it is dandy. But. Maybe off that belly play, you maybe, maybe you run some some old school triple option out of that. You know, That's like, what I'm thinking is like, Yeah, like, especially when you got you, Joiner in there and two backs, it was like, You, you really pull, got, you, you fake the belly and go option at the edge. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Easy says we should have hired Vandy OC Joey Lynch. He's good. He has ties to Pete Limbo. He was. He's Limbo's OC at uh, Ball State. Wouldn't mind him. I think he's good. I do think he's good. I agree with you. Matt points out but Rattler, Rattler's best game so far, but several of the swing passes that went for seven or ten yards were considered run plays. They were. They were behind the line of scrimmage, so he'd had over two. I was surprised when I looked at the stats that he didn't have more. But I guess you're right. You know, most of those were were that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and Easy E says Lynch was a Brawls Award finalist, top 25 offense at Ball State. Uh, Sean says, seems like most of our touchdowns came from Vandy defensive breakdowns rather than a good play calling. Uh, DK scramble play, touchdown rattler. Um, oh, to the rattler farm. van. Yeah. Van. Yeah. Well, that, that was, I don't know, that was. That was probably a scramble play for the touchdown or design. I don't, I don't know that it was designed. It was a good play. You're right, Sean. You bring up a good point there, bud. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the thing you had to do this weekend because you knew you were going up against one of the most vulnerable defenses in the SEC. You could not go out there and lay an offensive egg, period. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't do it. No. Will says Sam McCall, five-star target for the Gamecocks in recruiting at one point from Lakeland, Florida, is transferring from Florida State, potential Gamecock target. Weren't we in it out of high school? Yeah, the Gamecocks took his uh, teammate, and then his teammate had some legal stuff and didn't make it, Javante McClendon. So I don't know. I know he's got a good relationship with Torian Gray. So uh doc says jade c had some gold friday we said the nba wants tall guys that can shoot hmm. uh eight jm2 says i celebrate every win and we're bowl eligible that result was supposed to happen don't think it changes anything about our outlook going forward comfy win over vandy was already baked in 
I mean, you can look at it like that. I was worried about it until last week, and then I was like, well, normally you're coming off a disappointing loss, uh, and that's it. So that's good there. Um, if you haven't heard Todd's call on DK to Juice touchdown, it's an absolute gem. DeCarry and Joyner came in, and they run the circle, circle route rotation. <laughs> the circle route rotation. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Brad Ole, South Carolina Realtor, says, make sure you click that. I don't know what I'm clicking there. What is a circle route rotation? I don't know. Uh, Josh says, why do we go for it on fourth down late in the fourth quarter instead of kicking a field goal? No idea. <laughs> I'd have kicked it. What was the score then, 38-27? I'd have kicked it and made it two touchdowns. You know, 41-27 looks pretty good, and that would keep you from something crazy happening. So. Um, Daddy O says he listened to cringe. Hutch says, JC, do you think Xavier, Jalen Brooks, and Juice come back next year? Uh, Hutch, I'm not trying to avoid it. I don't know who's coming back and who's leaving right now. Um, that sometimes also changes, like depending on how things go. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I, I think South Carolina has been very fortunate with the portal so far in terms of getting a whole lot more from the portal than they've lost out of it. Um, but you never know. I mean, a season like this, depending on how it ends, it could it could be different. I don't I don't know, especially with some of the older guys that have been here for a long time. Um, so anyway, uh, Emin Warrior will be a first rounder. Mark it down, Craig says. Agree. Well, you know, put together one more season like he does. It's I mean, not just first round. The kid could go top ten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and well, he'll be eligible. He now see, he's a true freshman, so he'll have to be here three years. Three. Oh yeah, yeah. He has to play right. three. three. Yeah, yeah. So, um, boy, think about him in two years. And wow, what a beast. DQ mm -hmm. Smith too. I mean, those guys yeah. hadn't even been in a college weight program and stuff like that. I mean, it. it you know, Nick and Warre could end up being like the Jaheim Bell of the defense. Now I know that scares people because they're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> is he going to play nine plays? But no, I mean, where you can move him around. Um, Cause I, yeah. I hear he's a pretty good pass rusher too. Right. We have yet to see that. I, think. I know a little, uh, yeah. a, a little, un, a little, un, a little mm -hmm. bit, uh, maybe not this year, but some, some of that uh, Matt, Matt, and then we're going to get to break because we're five minutes behind. Uh, Matt says, you've heard of the funny gun, and now we have the puke and rally. Puke and rally. Boot and rally. <laughs> Boots and waggles. Boots and waggles. Boots and waggles. <laughs> Daddy has a circle route rotation. Rotation must be in the rally package. Uh, and Hutch says, thanks, JC. Do you think Emin Warrior is a linebacker long term? I don't know about that. Mm. I, I think. It kind of depends how big is he going to get, where you put him. He's a lot like that kid from Clemson. What was his Simmons? Xavier, Xavier? What was the kid's name? He got. Uh, he was from Kansas. He was a three-star kid from Kansas, and Clemson moved him all over the place. That's that's kind of the idea with with Nick Emmanuel, Isaiah Simmons, not Xavier Simmons. Ah. Mm -hmm. um, all that. Sorry, we're going to jump off. Lots of good Nick Emmanuel talk. Uh, don't forget Keith Allsup coming up at the top of the hour. Inside the game, cost the show rolls on on another Victory Monday, folks. Victory Monday is awesome. Uh, talk about the Florida Gators, too, here in a little bit. And what happened all over the SEC this past weekend when we're back after these messages. 
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all 
ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is sponsored in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss Realty at Coldwell Banker Kane here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all your residential real estate. Just a reminder, Meredith is now booking her virtual uh, golf lessons for the first of the year. And by the way, Meredith sent me a nice hat. I meant to bring it up here with me. Thanks, Mayor. I appreciate that. Oh, wait, Phil, look at this. Oh, it moved out the hat. Got a nice note with it, too. Thanks, Meredith. This is awesome. Put it on my big head here. I don't know. Put it over the bottom. I like the Mad Hatter now. Very, very merry on birthday. Anyway, (laughs) Lady Bree at seventy six in the chat box. It's cool. It's cool. I'd love to talk with you. Off and and you're right. The chat box it gets crazy because I'm usually answering and and talking about things that are like older. (laughs) And I get it. And it's okay. It's all right. It's it's good. Let's play nice in the sandbox. Play nice in the sandbox, guys. Come on. There's no no hostility. The, the the Nana Sports chat box is supposed to be a place of amongst friends. That's right. You know, just you're amongst good, friends discussing stuff. Oh yeah, that's that's right. So here we go. Um, the says, "Yeah, four o'clock kick on Florida um, yep. this weekend at the Swamp." So it's not, you know, their noon games aren't much. They don't they don't that that bunch doesn't really like to show up at noon. <laughs> Uh, four, eh, pretty good kickoff time down there, and then uh, probably good. It's not uh, at night, but that's the deal there. Um, Quantrell says was clicking back and forth between our game and FSU Miami. Saw DJ Lundy score a touchdown. W- weren't they in on that recruitment? Yeah, the Gamecocks were. I don't know what happened. They ended up not taking him for some reason, but he also was a, a linebacker on Carolina's board. I always thought he was a heck of a player, though. So. Uh, Jamie Robinson also had a big game for FSU. FSU totally annihilated the Miami Hurricanes. Well, yeah, that seems to be the way to do it this year. <laughs> Forty-five to three. I'm like, I cannot. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm just like, wow. You know, I didn't expect them to be that bad. No, no, but you got to assume better days are ahead down there in Miami. But you have to. But it's awfully funny. The two schools or the three. Because I got to include Tennessee in this, and Tennessee's obviously winning, though they didn't win Saturday. Um, you know, the three schools that were really blatant about the NIL thing: A and M, Miami, Tennessee. So one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> but, but, t- but Tennessee also was kind of more. They sort of started it for this class they've got now. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really, you know, they were kind of, work, they worked the portal. They got a bunch of guys that were left up there, lost a lot of guys. They've done a heck of a job filling holes. But, um, you know, uh, so, so that hadn't really started. A&M and Miami started, you know, right away. And so it's just kind of funny that there's disasters in College Station at Coral Gables right now. Just kind of funny. Yeah. Teams and, full uh, of mercenaries. 
<laughs> just not. I don't know. I mean, that there, there's your first little bit of data on that. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm not I'm not dooming either one of those programs at all. But uh, heck, how long have we been sitting here waiting for Miami to come back? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 terrible. But uh, looks like it'll be Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC championship game too. Yeah, is that locked in? I think almost maybe one more week because yeah. that game Clemson played was that was not a conference game against Notre Dame. No, it's it was not. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only year that counted was 2020 when Notre Dame yeah. joined the league for a year. Uh, but um, yeah, so Clemson still got Louisville, Miami, and South and Louisville, Miami, uh, and mm-hmm. then North Carolina survived Virginia. Virginia yeah. almost beat them. Uh, and I'm not sure who they've got. They've got NC State, I know, but they've already played Duke. So um, maybe Wake Forest, weeks left on their schedule. So we'll see. Uh, I guess it goes to show you, JC, you can't just buy wins. you got to establish culture. I don't care where you are. That's true. And the great programs have culture. I mean, they've got a lot. You, know, you don't think they have a, a changed culture at Georgia right now? I mean, even though they were winning, you know, nine, ten games a year under Rick, you know, they, they were that team that never quite could get over the hump. You know, and uh, now they are, <laughs> and so that's uh, that's a that's a change in culture. I mean, you know, Clemson rose because of their culture that they have, very unique culture at Clemson. South Carolina has a very unique culture as well. I I think the fixes for South Carolina, you know, are are outside of that scope, the the culture scope, um, uh, and all that good stuff. Stacy says, "Do you think Hobbs flips to Notre Dame?" Uh, look, I'll just say this. He's at Cincinnati Moeller and Hobbs, for those that don't know, I think it's Case and Hobbs, uh, mm-hmm. 2024 commit, defensive back, Cincinnati Moeller High School. And um, Gamecocks just picked him up at camp. You know, he, he was at camp. He looked good. They said, we'll offer you. I'll, come, I'll commit. Well, there's a long history with Archbishop Moeller and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Faust, who used to be the coach at Notre Dame in the 80s, uh, was the coach at that high school. And they hired Notre Dame hired a high school coach. Yeah. It's like, what if I told you? <laughs> it's like a 30 for 30. Yeah. And, and Gary Faust was like a tremendous human being. Like, like the great everybody cried when he left. I mean, it was bad, but they just weren't good enough. You know, they got their butts kicked 50 to something to seven by Miami, and that was kind of it for him. Um, nice guy though, but that shows you kind of the the connections that that high school has with Notre Dame. I mean, it's a Catholic school in the Midwest. So so my, my answer is I I think maybe probably but um, who knows <laughs> who knows um, uh, Frank Reich fired at Indy I knew that was happening I figured he'd be out um, yeah. Pat McAfee show should be spicy today get him off game day um, Quantrell says is it true Dan Lanning has mutual interest with Auburn if so holy smokes man that would be bad if Oregon loses their coach yeah. two years Ooh. in a row. <laughs> But that, that's what you get, you know. Maybe they can hire Brian Harson at Oregon. That's All right, guys. Work out a trade. That's going to be his answer. He's going to walk in. All right, guys, we just need to slow this offense down right now. We're going to throw long passes on fourth and 11. And we're going to be what do the you most. Think about Bo Nix having the year he is. It was like. I'm telling you what, man. I mean, it, that is nuts. Other than I think, you know, it, like when they play Georgia, he looked like crap. So apparently he just can't play in this league, but he can definitely play out west. <laughs> I don't. I think Georgia, too, had his number every time yeah. they play. I mean, Georgia just knew how to do it. Uh, I'll say this. I, I think that 
you know, Bo Nix, if, if you look back to the like last year at Auburn, remember he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and what people weren't talking about before then was Bo Nix was really putting that team on their shoulders. Bobo did a really good job with him. Um, but then he got hurt, and then Mississippi State, uh, it was kind of funny. Last year, Auburn was up big on Mississippi State. Mississippi State comes back and wins. And then this year, inexplicably, the Bulldogs lose a lead, and the Pirate <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> He's flipping, flipping the chairs. And he goes on a rant. I mean, Mississippi State won the game, but, man, what a what a great spirited performance. You know, Cadillac Williams had a great speech uh, to his team. They released on Auburn social media. It's the most interesting thing I've seen out of Auburn in two years, right? <laughs> and he just talk, starts talking about the ball and, uh, you know, like how the ball meant a lot to his life. And, I mean, that's inspirational, right? Mm-hmm. And they went out there in Auburn. Auburn doesn't have a lot to play for right now. They're just hanging out waiting to see who the next coach is. And, um, you know, they played well. Almost caught the Bulldogs with their pants down. So, What do they do if Cadillac beats Alabama? He's probably going to get the job. He'd probably keep it at that point. Yeah. If they beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, speaking of Alabama, oh, God. something is askew. <laughs> get this right. There's something I mean, missed in Tuscaloosa. There's something not quite right about this Alabama team. And I, uh, uh, I'll tell you, I, uh, you know, Brett Belima has kind of been a guy that I've been like impressed with this year with Illinois. And he's kind of, uh, well, me and Phil have talked about what his nickname is off the air. I won't repeat it here, but uh, I'm taking that from him this week because he lost to, to Michigan State and eight lost Mel. Um, yeah. All these guys with big contracts. We're going to start just call, throw the loss, loss yeah, seven lost Mel Tucker, you know, <laughs> six lost Jimbo. Um, they lost to amateurize that, that over uh... <laughs> <laughs> amateurization. Uh, so he 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 lost to eight lost Mel Tucker at home uh, in a big game, and so there we go. And um, so he gets stripped of that title this week, and it goes to Brian Kelly. That's right. Give it right to Brian Kelly. Give it to Brian Kelly, Kahuna. And I've always liked like everybody doesn't like him. People don't like him. They don't like his personality. Whatever. I don't care. The guy's a winner. And the guy, you know, what I respect about Brian Kelly, and look, his personality is cringeworthy sometimes. His Southern <laughs> accent's terrible. You know, I mean, his attempt to fit in down South was a little bit awkward, right? Let's just say it. But the guy wins football games. And he hadn't just, you know, inherited a big, a great job and, you know, that kind of wins itself. Uh, he worked at Grand Valley State for a decade, right? At Grand Valley State, man, in Michigan, freezing. You know, I was going to say, I don't even know where that is, but yeah, okay, Michigan. So okay. <laughs> somewhere in Michigan. And then he goes to Central Michigan and wins. And then, you know, and then goes to Cincinnati and wins. Champions of Life followed right behind him. He got Central Michigan and Cincinnati in that order. He gets Notre Dame. You know, when you're the winningest all time coach in Notre Dame history, that means you've won more games than, oh, I don't know, Luke, Newt Rockney, Era Parsegian, yeah. Dan mm-hmm. Devine, Lou freaking Holtz. That's right. Brian <laughs> Kelly. I wrote him a handwritten letter. He's never written me a letter back. <laughs> He's broke my wins total. The Notre Dame Irish. Go Irish. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jared mentions he hasn't watched college game day since SEC Nation started. You know, I kind of prefer SEC Nation. Yeah, I don't. Um, 
I don't know. I don't usually watch the pregame stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm weird, man, because like Nat loves game day. Like she'll get up and watch it on game day. I'm like, it gets on my nerves a little bit. Uh, now, I'll say this: the dancing Tennessee security guard thing. That's <laughs> awesome. That was funny. Yeah, no, I like that. That's that's yeah. awesome. But uh, other than that, man, it's just it's just a bunch of blah, 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 blah. I don't know. And, and McAfee to me, that and I understand putting McAfee on there because NFL pregame shows are the most boring sports broadcast I've ever heard in my life. Ooh, yeah, there, it's just awesome. it's all straight about ball. I mean, it's just ball, 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 ball. <laughs> and and the Fox pregame show, the big new kickoff or whatever, is very interesting because you got guys like Urban Meyer on there and. You're just sitting there watching him going, man, you're a train wreck, but it's awesome here on TV talking to us about college you're football. Still there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then game day is just kind of like over the top. And, and I don't know, you know, all these, uh, I think some fans have, you, you know, there was a fire Marcus Satterfield sign at game day Saturday. And that, yeah, I saw that. I did see uh, that. Fans from other schools have kind of infiltrated. So it's almost like you'll sit there and you'll see the, the home fans but then there's like 16 different like people got teams that aren't even playing, uh, and I, it was cool when it was the guy with the Washington State flag. You know mm-hmm. that guy was awesome because you'd see yeah. like the flags of the home team or whatever. You know Washington State guy beat out there like you know every um, time. <laughs> yeah, but look, it's like uh, it's like man, um, what uh, what's going on? You know, is you have all this representation of teams that aren't even there. Or don't they're on a, you know the Gamecocks? Yeah, I was like, well, well great, you, you made the fire Marcus Satterfield sign and went to game day. Uh, great, super. I think a lot of Gamecock fans probably agree with you, but the rest of the country's going, who in the hell is Marcus who Satterfield? Is Mar- yeah, that's right. Who is Marcus? Satterfield? Who is Marcus Satterfield? So, um, <laughs> Lady Bree says, let Corso be involved as much as he can. He probably doesn't have many years left. He wants to spend time doing what he loves. I'm all for it. I tend to agree with you there. Um. Greg says, can you recap Jaheim Bell's big breakout performance? <laughs> uh, look, Greg, I- I'm sorry that you don't recognize talent, and it's very surface level for you uh, when you're looking at Jaheim Bell and you're like, well, what's he done? You know, uh, And I'm sorry that you, know, you don't understand that when he doesn't play, it's hard for him to really do anything like you said. Uh, and so there you go. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and explain obvious things on this show. I don't have time. If you don't think Jaheim Bell is very good or a good football player, more power to you. More power to you, man. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Just uh, let's run somebody else out of the backfield, right? Let, let's just not play him anymore, right? Let, let's bench him. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so so let's just bench him. But so who you're you saying play? he had a bad game on Saturday? No, he just had this yeah. smart out like question like yeah. four or five different times in four or five different places about what's so great about Jaheim Bell? What's he done? And, and you're like, well, you don't understand like when he's gotten a chance, you, you're ignoring what he's done, right? You're ignoring what he's done when he's gotten a chance. And then so that's first and foremost that you don't get that. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to discuss it with you in fact you, you you know you can just get out the chat i don't i don't i don't want to have this conversation again uh if you don't if you don't understand that jaheim bell's a good football player you know there you go this twisted one gamecocks have uh one win against a team with a winning record who cares and the offense has not been great we know that and the defense can't stop the run well they have at certain times 
Beamer needs to t- stop talking to the fans about being doom and gloom. Well, I don't think it matters. And I'm with you there about doom and gloom. I don't think it matters if you've beaten one team with a winning. Who cares? Yeah, it's no, the no. SEC, dude. They're playing an SEC schedule. I don't care if Texas A&M struggling. I mean, they beat A&M. Um, you know, no, and I, here's I the thing: care. if they're if they're only you know when if they're only losing record is by one loss, then consider that the your loss, the one yeah. you gave them. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get the whole like, oh, they hadn't beaten anybody thing. I mean, it, all these teams are pretty good, right? Um, Saunders says, guess they're trying to do a core Daryl Patterson s type of role for Jaheim. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I'd like to see him uh, a bit more down the field. That's like, my like, only criticism about Saturday was, and I know you had to use him as your primary running back, but still. Some down the field shots. <laughs> See, I, I wonder what's up with Rashad Amos, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, thought we'd see some Turbo Miller, too. I mean, that's what a little Turbo. I thought we'd catch a bit of him because we saw him earlier in the year. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know if he's got a year of eligibility left and they're trying to redshirt him or I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with, with him either. I like him, though, and I think he's a good running back. So mm-hmm. certainly not a guy that uh, you don't want to do that Saunders. Dante really really that bad. No, none of these guys are bad. I, I don't mm-hmm. – I just need to find out what's up. I mean, it may be – you know, sometimes coaches won't play a player if they can't what, – what's called trust them. And, and that's not meaning that they're untrustworthy people. It means they do things like fumble or they – get penalties and, and you go in there and generally mess up yeah. or you're consistently um, missing a blocking assignment or something in the backfield. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of ins and outs. Yeah. Um, as for Jaheim at running back, I, I, I'm still going to maintain what I've always thought. He's to me, his primary spot should be F, F receiver, which is kind of the slot receiver spot. That's where he started at the bowl game. Uh, I love to, Oh, Phil, we got a porn bot. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, I, 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 I love giving him the ball. Uh, I love, using him in a variety of ways, but I think primarily he's that uh, he's a downfield threat. Um, and, and I know maybe he struggled to kind of learn how to do that a little bit at times, but uh, you gotta, you gotta simplify and make sure you like, that's your job as a coach, I think, to get your best players ready to go play. Um, you see all these schools out West really flexing on who they beat. Bro, have you seen your schedule? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, you celebrate, you always celebrate wins. You never yeah. downplay a winning season because mm-hmm. you get no points for having a losing season and playing a tough, like a, like a ridiculously hard bunch of winning teams. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, feel the way you feel, but the reality of it is you've got three games left and you've already matched last year's regular season total yeah. for wins. You got an opportunity to beat that by three. Yeah. Cartwright says Florida's 0 and 4 when they rush for less than 200 yards. Unfortunately, we couldn't stop Vandy from running. Yeah, a lot of team Vandy's run it pretty. They got a decent offense, but I mean, I agree. You don't want to. You shouldn't have given up two hundred yards for them. Hopefully, we can figure that out. Yeah, they need to go back to like what they did against Kentucky and A and M, and you know some of these other teams. It's it's uh, you know the good news about playing Florida is you know going in you're going to have to stop Richardson. Uh, and all that good stuff. So yeah. we got to take his arm beat you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and look, some days he's going to be able to beat you with his arm because mm-hmm. some days he's on fire throwing the ball like against Tennessee. It was great. But um, I think that uh, some days he's not. 
<laughs> and that's what you got to hope for uh, mm-hmm. with this. Otherwise, uh, Carolina. And I'll say this: Florida's not very good on offense. And look, everybody's a little scared of that A and M game. Like, oh, they beat the crap out of A and M, forty-one twenty-four. A and M had like thirty players out. Yeah, Whew, I mean, flu ravage, yeah. flu mm-hmm. ravage, whatever they were doing. I kind of think some of them were at the College Station Country Club playing eighteen, <laughs> but uh, in their Mercedes, you know. But uh, I think. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think Carolina's got a shot uh, against their defense to move it. You know, it sounds crazy to say, but, you know, and South Carolina's defense, you know, it's been really too – really the whole Vandy game was bad, in my opinion, and then like the first half of Missouri. So they got to, they got to get back to their way they were playing. We've got to roll for a break, and Keith will be here on the other side. We'll see if he has hashtag six loss Jimbo. Uh, in his window today. We'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man. Hey man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? One zero zero one is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheen Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at aburgesson, that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net. We are joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than the cockfather himself, a.k.a. Six Lost Jimbo, also known as the host of Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, Keith also. So, Keith, here we are. we got three games left. We're bowl eligible. We've matched last year's total. Only only can go up from here, right? Well, that's the good news. That's the good <laughs> I mean, you really, really could be, you really could be seven and two. I mean, what this a radical true. approach by Marcus Satterfield on Saturday night to spread the field and get the ball in the hands of your best players in space. I mean, what a radical outside-the-box concept. I mean, it, it really blew my mind. I don't think I've ever seen that before. <coughs> oh, yeah, except every game I watch college football, except <laughs> generally when the Gamecocks play. It was uh, glaringly apparent that uh, he had finally caught up on that concept. <laughs> You know, Keith, I, 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 I like the fact that they made Vandy defend the entire field, right? Uh, I think we've had a, we've seen a lot of games this year with this offense where they don't necessarily do that, uh, but they kind of they kept them off balance with the the, the wide plays. I thought Spencer, uh, I almost think Joiner coming in helped Spencer settle in a little <laughs> bit. Um, Rattler threw it well. You know, I, I think this can kind of work. Um, to a certain extent, uh, you know, was it gimmicky a little bit? Probably, but that, that, that just may be what they have to do, you know, to, to, to move the ball. But I, I think it's probably less gimmicky and more just the fact that they did spread it out and try to get the ball, like you said, in the hands of the playmakers. I mean, in today's uh, college football landscape, that's not really gimmicky. That's what everybody else does. And so here's my analogy because I'm a ba- I am was a basketball coach, okay? 
So you remember when uh, uh, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish played and, uh, you know, there was this guy in Los Angeles named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They never shot three-pointers. Very rarely did they shoot three-pointers. Then people figured out, hey, instead of clogging up the middle with these big guys, you need to spread the floor and go to more four around one, and then it evolved to five around zero, and we want big guys that can shoot the ball, a.k.a. the dynasty that is the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers. And so that's what modern college football offense is. It spreads you out, and they, they shoot the three ball. They get you out in space. They force you to defend everything, and they hit big play after big play after big play. And Marcus Satterfield is kind of uh, from the Pete Newell uh, School of Basketball, which is triple post offense, which is bring everybody inside and let's just try to ram it down their throats inside bunch it all up bring everybody into the box and run the ball up the middle aka uh you know triple post double low post cross screen bang it inside walk it up the floor and that's not how basketball is played anymore and what Marcus Satterfield's trying to do or has been trying to do up until I think the head coach basically broke his foot off well up into his hind parts last week and gave him an ultimatum. He's like, well, damn, I guess I better finally start doing what everybody else does and get the ball to our best players. I mean, look, Bob Davey was not a great head football coach. But Bob Davey said perhaps the most transformative line in college football. It is not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and Joes. And for South Carolina, they don't have anybody named Jimmy or Joe, but they got Jaheim and Juice, J&J. And they did it. And it worked, even though I thought the one play – I really want to set that and the Todd Ellis call to the Benny Hill theme song, the, the uh, Juice Wells handoff to Joyner who runs around and he's supposed to throw it to somebody else and throws it to Juice Wells who runs around and then takes off down the sideline. That is a skit from the Benny Hill show. But guess what? Because you had everybody out in space, it worked. Gabe guys did spread the field and Vandy had trouble stopping it for the most part. Keith defense, there's probably some concerns there, especially look at the last two weeks. Uh, Vandy did a good job of keeping them off balance. I, I think Vandy actually has a pretty good offensive scheme, and they've been better on offense this year than I think I remember. Uh, still 200-something yards rushing. Uh, they got the turnovers. That kind of saved them. Lots of penalties. Sloppy game on defense. Uh, you got to fix it. Uh, Florida's 0-4 when they don't rush for 200 yards. So you got to fix that run defense this weekend. 
uh, if you're Clayton White and those guys. I understand the injuries in the, on the back end made things kind of hairy a little bit as well. But uh, your thoughts on the defense? All right. So for me, can I just use a uh, Pete Limbo analogy? Is if Vanderbilt ran through South Carolina like German Panzers through France. Okay. This was the good, the bad, and the ugly game to roll out a Clint Eastwood Western. Okay. The good for the Gamecocks was the first half on offense. You finally got that fast start. Okay. You got five plays, 70 yards, touchdown. Two plays, 70 yards. That was the Benny Hill theme song play. Four plays, 80 yards. Christian Bill Smith, 52 yards on the uh, short yardage play. <laughs> and then uh, nine plays, 72 yards right before the half. And so South Carolina, uh, they got off to a hot start. 29 plays, 313 yards in the first half. Mm. One penalty for 10 yards in the first half. Okay, the bad was the defense because Vanderbilt was averaging 340 yards per game. Uh, they got 454. Gamecocks got 492 yards of total offense. Uh, but Vanderbilt, 226 on the ground. And this looked like almost like Arkansas early in the season, who, by the way, uh, Hugh Freeze and the Liberty Escorts, I mean the Flames, uh, they beat Arkansas and held them to like 140 yards rushing. Wow. It can be done. Uh, and then, of course, the ugly J.C. and Phil. The second half, 11 penalties, 106 yards, a lot of drive killers. Gamecocks probably should have scored in the high 50s, the low 60s. I mean, at least half a hundred if you don't have all the drive-killing penalties. And really, I think South Carolina – the officials lost control of the game, but I think South Carolina lost control of their emotions at halftime because there was the dust-up 50 who had two or three plays that he should have been banged on, got away with it, and then they would hit the Gamecocks in retaliation. And the second half, South Carolina lost control of their emotions. They lost their discipline. And it really kept Vanderbilt in the game. I mean, you know, Juice Wells slinging a guy to the ground on an explosive uh, run play. Stogner blocking a guy in the back right in front of an official. The multiple hold holdings on Eric Douglas, bless his heart. I think he's finally out of eligibility this year. We love him, but thank you. And uh, you get a, a lifetime supply of rice-a-roni, the San Francisco tree. Jelly so, of the month club, man. Jelly, Jelly of the yeah. month club. <laughs> I mean, you know, so that that's concerning. And the linebacker play, I thought, is very concerning. And the injuries on the back end are very con uh, concerning because – when B.J. Gibson's the starting lineup, that's problems unless you're playing Vanderbilt or a little team. 
And he had seven tackles in the first half solo tackles because he had to have seven solo tackles because they were breaking it past the second level like the linebackers did virtually nothing. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, I mean, maybe they need a real coach and not a GA coaching them. I mean, I love Clayton White, but come on, man. I mean you've got to you got to get that better. You got to clean that up. Florida Florida's going to try to run it all over the Gamecocks and shoot up. I would too if I were them. Uh, that's a recipe for success, but they got to clean it up. I, I think I think this group's played better than they did Wednesday uh, or, or sorry, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, I think they can get back there, but you, you, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to get, and, and you're right, Keith, it, it reminded me a little bit of that, uh, the Clemson game in 2017 where the Gamecocks defense just basically lost, its, completely lost its composure. Uh, you know, with all the penalties and, and the big plays and stuff like that. But fortunately, it didn't hurt Carolina uh, like it did uh, in that game. So here's the question now. So we've seen this offense for, you know, 22 games now. And I, I, I don't think anything surprises any of us anymore when it comes to that side of the ball. What do you do now? I mean, do you, do you continue? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know for a fact that Beamer mandated that, but if he did, more power to him. Um, if you're Shane Beamer, do you tell him, like, look, you, you got to keep doing that. You know, do what you did against Vandy, you know, and let's try to get it out. Or do you think we'll see, you know, a, a whole new playbook uh, against the Gators? I mean, you know, there's there's a obviously he's got a lot of options. I mean, it, it, this playbook's like the seafood buffet in Myrtle Beach that you see where it's like, 209 items on your buffet. Hell, that's a lot, man. You know, but uh, if you can always, if you go there, you can always have seafood or you can have the salad or you can do Tex-Mex. I mean, pizzas I've seen on it, you know. So you got a lot of different items to select from. Uh, I think it's more about plan of attack, though, and, and making them defend the whole field. What say you? Well, I think if there's one thing we know about Marcus Siderfield is we have no idea what he's going to do, and generally neither does he. Right. So. Um, and the thing about the uh, seafood buffet is you might have that many options, but none of them are ever the best thing you've ever put in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather drive up to Calabash and yeah. uh, get the popcorn shrimp. <laughs> yes, nice baked potato, maybe some crinkle yes. cut fries and hush puppies. Yeah, I'm down. Yes. Down with that completely. Uh, shrimp cocktail action. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think I hope they stick with what they're doing. You don't have to. I mean, obviously, you don't have to do everything identical. But I, I, I just keep getting back to the fact. I'm like, hey, you know, when you make teams defend the entire field, good things happen because I think, hey, here we go. South Carolina's got good players. You know, they got guys like Juice that could – I think – and I ask you about Xavier Leggett, Keith. I, I think that sometimes when you have a big kickoff return or something like that, it, it gives you confidence as a player. Um, I just see him getting more and more confident. I, I thought when he carried the ball from from scrimmage, he looked pretty good. I think he's he's coming along. And he's a guy me and you talked about a whole lot, um, you know, during the offseason as, as being one to watch this improved. And it looks like we're seeing some of that. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you, I mean, he had put in a lot of hard work. Uh, I think you and I were both told he probably had the best 
offseason of any wide receiver. He put in the most work. You know, and then that South Carolina State game happens, and and it's not like they really gave him a whole lot of opportunities prior to that um, because I think everybody knew Juice Wells you know, was the man. And, you know, he's bided his time. He's waited. And I thought they used him perfectly. I thought, I think probably at this point, Jalen Brooks, like I thought the one really bad play was Jalen Brooks in the second half. He caught a ball on like a third and six, and it was uh, one yard one yard short of the line to gain. And all he had to do was turn it up the sideline. He tried to cut back inside, and the guy hits him, and it's fourth down, and you got a punt. I don't think Xavier Leggett does that. I mean, I think there's still a place for Jalen Brooks, but I think Xavier Leggett is trending – Obviously, Juice Wells is the man. Josh Van continues to come on. They did actually throw it to Jaheim Bell. Some, I wouldn't be shocked if Jaheim Bell doesn't have to be the primary running back again this week. Um, but here's the thing. You know Florida is going to run Anthony Richardson. He's their yeah. leading rusher, okay? Just like might as well be Dan Mullen running the quarterback. But it's a lot more mundane uh, system because Sunbelt Billy doesn't have all the exotic motions and formations to get to the same place that Mullen does. He's playing checkers. Mullen plays chess. But Anthony Richardson's a dude. And here's my analogy. JC, remember last year the Gamecocks, they just beat up on Florida, the, the poor Florida quitters. Yeah, the, the flu ravaged that team. They were had twenty something guys getting IVs uh, prior to the game. Some of them were getting IVs at halftime. Guys were throwing up. Texas A and M had twenty guys out, and it showed in the second half. And so, Rando, Florida fan, you just got that game back because if A and M's healthy, they probably kick your teeth in, but. It didn't happen, and so now it's six-loss Jimbo, and it's probably going to be eight-loss Jimbo because they're underdogs at Auburn, and uh, the Cadillac, he's got those guys fired up. And then, my goodness, General Brian Beauregard Kelly, he marched through Alabama like Sherman through Georgia in the Civil War. It was scorched-earth policy. Jimbo he lobbed a big cannon, a big cannon fire there at the end too. He, he's like, "All right, let's roll this." You know, yeah. Brian Kelly takes over the Brett Belivo Award for a week for me, but uh, <laughs> and we talked about that earlier. But uh, all right, so Tonka Hemingway, man, is he is he on his way to becoming a legend? I I, I just I, I was trying to think: has there been another defensive lineman that's touch the ball as much as he has this year in the country? I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, Keith, I was shielded from the the, 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 the pass, right? Uh, so I didn't really see the number. I thought it was Stogger mm -hmm. out there. I thought it was Stogger going up and getting it and, and running. It wasn't. It was Tonka. Um, he just keeps doing it on defense, on special teams. You know, your, your thoughts about him. I, I, uh, 
I was glad South Carolina got him because I made the mistake of undervaluing his brother, Junior, because uh, I was told he ran 4.8 or whatever, and he did. He wasn't that fast. Then he goes to Michigan and tears it up, and I'm like, dang, man, South Carolina could have used him. But uh, glad they got the, 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 the bigger Hemingway. And, boy, he, he, can, he can play some ball. I mean, he, he's not just a, a D lineman. I mean, your thoughts on him? So, J.C., he was one of my favorite recruits in the 2020 class. Uh, he's a three-sport star. He never got to focus on one star. And he, he won the award for being the top scholastic athlete in the country his senior year in high school, combining the fact that he was a great football player, basketball and baseball and uh, academics. He won a national award. And so I have a good friend who's a high school coach in that area, and he ran into John Scott uh, coming out of a breakfast joint you know, on his way out of town after doing the in-home visit with uh, the Hemingways. Sorry, JC, I forgot to turn my phone off. No, it's all right, man. Um, uh, you're not like worry, Michael. I want to be happy today, Gamecocks. Oh, my, 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 Michael, Michael Flint knocks his – camera and everything over every single it, video it's, goes out at least it's not once. it's not wando's world without him doing that so don't worry <laughs> about that all right so he told my my friend that's a high school coach he's like we think tonka hemingway will be a 10 year plus guy in the national football league we think he may be the best guy he's like whoa the best guy you got Jordan Birch, you got Boogie Huntley. He's like, look, we love those guys. But Tonka Hemingway is a three-sport guy. His body has never been able to fully develop. He's never been able to just focus on football. His intangibles, his IQ, his ability to process information, and his overall athleticism, we just think he is the total package. And – uh, I think John Scott's right, and it, it, it's also amazing to me how Pete Limbo just continues to find ways to get him the ball. And so now at this point, I don't know if you can get him the ball anymore. I think you got to use him <laughs> as the decoy because as soon as you start to run something, everybody's going to run right at 91. And so don't be shocked. If the next time they run a trick play on special teams, it goes the other way. Yep, Tonka yeah. Hemingway is is the uh, decoy, but I mean he he has had a phenomenal year. Last year, not so much. It was his first year playing inside. He had been uh, an edge guy. He was adjusting to learning how to play inside, the leverage to be able to take on double teams, etc. And Plus, all those guys came in in the COVID year, and there was the shutdown, and half those guys were in health and safety protocols for like three or four weeks anyway. So I think we're seeing Birch develop. You know, Boogie's been banged up. Uh, quite frankly, I didn't think they should have played him against South Carolina State and Charlotte. They should have let him heal up and get better and get to 100%. I don't know that he'll ever be 100%, maybe until the bowl game. But Tonka, I mean, he is reaching that status, but 
look, to, to be a legend at South Carolina, though, you really have to beat Clemson, right? Uh, like Tommy, Tommy Suggs never lost to Clemson. Okay, Jeff Grant's hung 56 points on Clemson, and it would have been 63 if they hadn't called Jay Saldy for offensive pass interference on fourth down when they scored uh, at the end of the game. And, of course, that's a loss of downs, so it went over to Clemson on downs. Uh, Steve Tannehill signing the Tiger Paul, hitting the home run in Death Valley. Connor Shaw not losing to Clemson. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys, right? Like George Rogers was a legend. He never scored against Clemson. Uh, but they did beat him in 79. Yeah, Marcus Lattimore, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, there's been a lot of lot of great players at South Carolina, but yeah, Nathan Pepper, he had a chance. Uh, he had a game and was it uh 2006 game and he intercepted the ball and run into almost to the end zone and Spiller. I think it's Spiller or it might have been Jacoby Ford. One of them punched it out from behind. Man, if he would have scored that touchdown, he would have never had to pay for another meal in his life. He could probably have been an old man in the nursing home. And, uh, well, let's just say uh, Deshaun Watson would have probably been proud of him at 80-something. They'll <laughs> be getting some happy endings, but he he didn't do it. So I don't know, but I love talking him anyway. Uh, I think he's a great human being. He's from a football family. He's a great student athlete. He's a great representative of the university, and yeah, it's one of those core guys, JC, that Shane Beamer inherited from Will Muschamp that entire. Uh, class and, and other guys like Darius Rush. I thought key play of the game. Rush gets the interception right off the bat. You know, Rush, he had a big game on special teams and defense. I mean, they're, you know, DQ Smith and Nick Eamon Worry. How, what can you say about those two guys? They're playing every single snap on defense is true freshmen. They're getting banged up. Even more is going in the tent and I'm like, Oh my God, if we lose him, it's over. And then about four plays later, he just rolls, uh, you know, back in. So. There's no player loss that makes me more nervous than seeing 21 limp or go under the damn tent. And it's just like, oh, my God, no, please bring Nick back. <laughs> he can't be yeah, that hurt. that guy, he, he's played unbelievably. Well, Keith, uh, hopefully the Gamecocks can uh, stop the Gators uh, this weekend. I, I don't – you know, it's a, a nine-point spread. I, I don't know what some of these Vegas lines are thinking. I mean, I, Alabama was giving LSU 13 and a half this past weekend. I – I took LSU plus the points. I thought there's no way in heck that game's not going to be closer than that. Um, so I, I thought going into that game, I picked Alabama. But, J.C., as I watched that game and I watched the first quarter and then into the second quarter, I was fully convinced LSU was going to win that game. 
Yeah. You could just see it in their body language. And so let me tell you this. So if you want to really feel bad about the offense at South Carolina, consider this. South Carolina's wide receivers are better than Alabama's. And that is blasphemy if you're a Crimson Tide fan because of all those dudes that you've had over the last five years. But if you put Juice Wells, Jalen Brooks, Josh Van, Xavier Leggett, and Jaheim Bell, if you put those guys with Bryce Young and Bill O'Brien, they'd be scoring 50 a game just like they always have been. And you just don't see it uh, with Alabama. I mean, guys continually drop the ball. Guys can't get open. And, you know, to me, that's just another reason why, you know, if, if Texas A&M would have beat Florida, my hashtag would have probably been firemarkasatterfield or firemarkasatterfield.com because – South Carolina has way better skill players than Alabama. Now, Jameer Gibbs, he is a dude, but hey, so is Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. All right, call it, call it like it is. And, you know, another novel concept, JC, is Spencer Rattler throwing the ball on the move. I mean, wow. Who, who's yeah. been, who said that every single week? Yeah, we all have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, do it. I mean, that, that, that needs to happen more uh, as well. So, you know, I think they need to design some rollout. You know, the boots and waggles, that, that, that's, that's a pretty popular phrase around here because of you, Keith. Yeah. Well, boots and waggles. But, you know, who, who uses those? Bill O'Brien, Bryce Young. You know why? He's not the biggest guy. Neither is Spencer Rattler. Both throw the ball on the run extremely well and it gives them a cleaner look downfield just food that. for thought i'm not an offensive coordinator but i have stated a holiday inn express <laughs> and i gotta say kudos to me for coming up with the 1980s basketball offense triple post double low post versus <laughs> Spread with the Warriors. Showtime. Yeah, it brought back, some, brought back some Celtics <laughs> Lakers memories there, too. Mm -hmm. man. They call awesome. it Showtime for a reason, baby. Magic Johnson on the fast break in open space. James Worthy cupping that ball and holding it up for what seemed like an eternity and just gliding past the basket. And I loved basketball the back then. I don't know mm -hmm. why Dave Neal keeps coming on my daggum computer here. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I got the ESPN box score up just looking at it, and they keep playing these video, the, the highlights, and I hear Dave Neal in my headset. Yeah, I, I mean ESPN. Like when I I'm I'm looking at ESPN like the top twenty five in the SEC box scores and games when I'm going back over the best games of the week, and always some freaking ad pops up every time. <laughs> Starts playing. Oh, so by the way, before I go, how about play like a champion today? Waking up the echoes. How about Clemson getting absolutely boat raced in the same building 
that one law Stanford rolled in and they just stormed the beach like the Allied forces at Normandy when they rolled in and like the 1984 Gamecocks, quite frankly. I was there, by the way, with Patrick mm -hmm. Eccles Campbell, the Beave, and my brother Chris Lee. We drove up from Columbia, South Carolina to South Bend, Indiana. It was 88 degrees when we left Columbia. Mm. We got to uh, Cincinnati. It was 48 degrees. It was 38 degrees when we finally landed in South Bend. And the Gamecocks won in the rain. They stormed the beach. Clemson, college football playoff, bye-bye. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> it's unfortunately. It's over. over. Dablo, I mean Dablo. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, man, uh, we're up against it here. Keith uh, comes in uh, strong every Monday. We certainly appreciate him coming. You can check out Locked on the Gamecocks podcast all week for more of Keith. Thanks, bud. Well, have a, have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you Thank got you. it. You guys have a great week. Yeah. Yes, Hopefully sir. next Monday there's a lot of Sunbelt Billies being thrown around. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Do. Um, all right. We'll be back to wrap it up. we got some mailbag questions. We're going to get to plus some more Nanosports chat box on the Monday episode of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. 
family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show time to get back to the show shoot all right my man welcome back to the show everybody inside the gamecocks the show is brought to you by uh let's see the burgesson team at remax of the lake in the second hour give adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at a burgesson that's a b-e-r-g-e-s-o-n at remax.net for your commercial real estate needs and we are back, JC. I guess we got some mailbag stuff going on. Yeah, I got uh, Tristan right there. I, yeah. I, uh, by the way, I, I answered uh, Belmont's question about the refs. So I'm, I'm going to read that one to you guys first because it's on the big spur. Um, and not all of our not all of our people are on the big spur. Um, but uh, we want to make sure that we answer it. Uh, anyway, since I'm using it for content here, uh, and I'm pulling it up if uh, I can get this right, uh, JC, you're a blithering idiot today. Um, all right, so I came in from Belmont, and he said, in all my years watching Gamecocks football, I'm not sure I've witnessed this much horrible officiating through the course of the season. It's bordering negligence. It starts with missing obvious penalties like face mask and mis- mixing up offensive with defensive pass interference. And then refs not seeing personal fouls like helmet slaps and even punches thrown on separate occasions with no consequences. As a Gamecock fan, it makes me upset. But as a football fan, I'm sickened by the fact that the whole drives and in-game momentum are being decided by this crap. 
Kind of reminds you of SEC basketball, doesn't it, Belmont? A lot oh, of ways. Right. Uh, quick whistles. Yes. Not going to get any better on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> now we wonder why bench-clearing brawls and tunnel fights seem to be the norm. Discipline's a lost art by football programs that coaches need to empathize, emphasize. Maintaining control of the game's forgotten role by the referees. It's time to add more eyes on the field and in the booth with better communication between the two. Incorporating more cameras and technology like AI can save a lot of time and reduce errors. On simple things like plane breaking first downs or touchdowns. In my opinion, zebras need to spend more time paying attention to the actions of the humans playing the game versus the position of the oblong ball. Curious to hear your thoughts, Belmont. Very well written, Belmont. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm with you. I see it in South Carolina games every week, and I would think there was some sort of conspiracy if I didn't watch other teams and see bad call after bad call week after week. It's not just limited to college football either. By the way, the Bears got completely hosed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad call against the Dolphins at the end. Uh, I, I said, I think one thing rules committees may want to look at is pass interference. Right now it's a judgment call and there is no replay. Granted, they're trying to shorten the length of games. And if you can review PI, uh, that's going to add time. I think maybe there is a logical way to do this where PI is an auto review and they buzz the sideline refs when there's something that is obvious, like last week against Missouri, when the Gamecocks defender didn't touch anyone and got dragged down by the Tigers receiver. South Carolina got an interception on the play, but the refs called pass interference on the Gamecocks. There's no universe where that play should have stood, but you can't review it as things stand today. They automatically review targeting. Maybe there's a way to do it with pass interference and then not take as long. Who knows? Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, or maybe these guys are all having a bad year. I think some of them need to spend less time pumping iron and getting swole for television and more time perfecting their craft. That's a running joke, but still. These guys look like Hans and Franz from Saturday Night Live back in the day, and honestly, Hans and Franz could call a more consistent game than some of them. <laughs> we are here to pump you up. You up. Yes. You remember, huh? All right, Dave. Dave goes, happy Monday, fun day. Or Devin goes, happy fun day, Monday. Hello from Tucson. Hope no. all is well. Yeah, come on in. Tucson. It's the first Tucson we've got. Tucson, Arizona. Decent town. Like it, been there, went there once. Uh, saw a band at, an, uh, at a casino, an Indian, one of those Indian or Amer- Native American casinos in that area. So, um, you know, that's it. Lady Brigo's SEC refs hate us, calls have never gone our way. Yeah, no, sometimes they do. I mean, sometimes they don't. It, it, if, if you really think about it, it all balances out. It seems to me, though, that since the Kentucky game, refs have been calling the Gamecock secondary tight for a bunch of stuff. And, and, and it ticky-tacks out. And then it, other teams are doing egregious things, and it's getting missed. And, um, you know, I, I've seen it in other games, too, P.I. not being called or being called. And, and it, it's just uh, that's something that even Nick Saban was talking about it after the Tennessee game about P.I. He goes, you know, it's a really hard call to make, uh, and there's no replay, so – you know, it is what it is. But thanks for that email, Belmont. And Tristan's got an email in the I Help Consulting mailbag, Phil. You want to grab that one? Yeah, man. Let's see. Tristan. Let's see. Looked like Gamecock Twitter was calling plays the first half. Things seemed to be working, and it was fun to watch. The second half was a little underwhelming as normal. Glad we got the W. Hope we can keep a similar game plan with adding Lloyd back in against Florida. Well, one could only hope, but uh, as Keith pointed out, you just never know what you're going to get, right, with this offense. Uh, I don't know. You know, um, it did. <laughs> I love the comment, Gamecock Twitter calling plays in the first half. <laughs> and I'm not convinced that Shane didn't sit in there and be like, listen, 
you're going to have to include some of these other people we've got on staff to put together a game plan for the first half. But the thing that, that was glaring was when we come out for the first possession in the second half, it looked relatively similar to the crap that we've been watching all year long, JC. I mean, just, you know, slow going backwards. Then having to call a timeout because everybody's confused and people are moving and the clock's about to run out. So it was like, well, maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe we're back off of, you know, back into him just trying to call the game from field. I don't know here. I, I have, I have hope that we won't have to be talking about this next year. Yes. Because of the same guy. I'm tired of the subject, to be honest. I'd rather, I'd rather dig into something new, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go back and for and all those people, too, that are like, well, if he wins out, you know, then he should, you know, then that's just, you know, he's the master plan. And that's, you know, just took that long to get it going. I'm like, well, you know, if it's going to take that long to get it going every year, then you got n- nothing. Nothing. Because you don't have that many games. I would be very, very surprised if, if that ended up happening. And, and it's not that, not that the team... I mean, look, I, I still think it's going to take, like, just something amazing happening against Tennessee to win that one just because they're not going to play like they played Saturday <laughs> for very much longer now. Some people are like, you know, is it like the movie Independence Day? Is Kirby Smart getting on, um, you know, uh, uh, Morse code and, and telling everybody how to bring them down? You know, I don't know. I thought Georgia had a great game plan, though. Uh, Will Muschamp, hats off to him. And if you think about Will Muschamp, I started to think about it. It's like, you know, he's pretty good against Heupel. Like, when, when he was at South Carolina, the Gamecocks played Missouri when Heupel was the OC twice, beat him 31-21, and then beat him 31-13. The next year was that 37-35 game, but that, that Derek Dooley, the Doolander, was calling plays for Missouri then. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's the, that's the deal there. Uh, Tristan, as far as Marshawn coming back, I have my doubts. Yeah. Um, I hope, you know, I think maybe Tennessee, Clemson are, are kind of the best case scenario for him. But, you know, Marshawn comes back. I, I think you can you can incorporate him into what you did spreading the field the other night. And yeah. I actually think he's going to make some better plays. He's got a bit more room to run. You know, that, that's why I've been calling for them to kind of spread it and run it and spread it and make it for a while because, you know, like he said, the more people you have around crowding the line of scrimmage, the less room you have to run. That's physics. <laughs> you know, I just uh, – I don't know. I don't know. I could ask my six-year-old, like, okay, if you didn't want this many people here <laughs> – <laughs> and basically one of you know one of their people follows one of ours where would you put our people so that you don't have this many people here and she'd probably get it right <laughs> yeah some some bowl scoop in from Brad Crawford um Gator Bowl maybe the uh maybe the pick mm-hmm. so Probably maybe against Florida State. Boy, that'd be a game, wouldn't it? Ooh. South Carolina FSU and the Degum Gator Bowl. Man, that'd be fun. Yeah. Shoot, that'd be a sellout <laughs> crowd, too. Shoot, that, yeah. <laughs> that's Florida State's first bowl, I think, under Norvell, and they clinched it the other day. 
Uh, and the Gamecocks haven't been to the Gators since 1987. So that would be pretty amazing. I wonder what day that thing's on. Because I'm going to be in Florida during that time, but I'm probably not going to be able to make it line up. So <laughs> I don't know. A happy, happy, happy says Marshawn being down has definitely forced the coaching staff to find different ways to move the ball. Yeah, and look, my contention is they should have been doing this to start with. Yeah, it shouldn't take the loss of Marshawn Lloyd to put some yeah. creativity into this. It, it's, but, yeah. but, hey, better late than never. So, um, I hope Marshawn Lloyd makes it back soon. Yeah, and look, if you can if you can get what you got the other night from the pass game, and you know, there's a rhythm to what you're doing, which there was in the first half, I thought, and Rattler was on and, and throwing the ball and, you know, receivers were making plays, get the ball to Juice Wells. You can you can score enough points to beat Florida and maybe Clemson. Uh, like I said, Tennessee, I'm going to worry about that game the week of. Uh, pretty curious to kind of see how they bounce back after Georgia. Man, they this week? I don't know. I think it's it's not Vandy. It's not Kentucky. Who are they? Missouri. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Missouri's defense, uh, now the game's in Knoxville because it was out there last year and Mm. Tennessee scored 62. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, and I think Tennessee's defense will eat that Missouri's offense's lunch. But, uh, you know, Missouri's defense is good. So, let's see what – We'll see what happens with that one. It, 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 it I, I kind of think it'll probably be a lot like that Kentucky Tennessee game, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, a blowout, and you're like, ah, you know, you can't be that pedestrian. But I'm gonna tell you this, you know, um, Georgia did a really good job against Tennessee of going downfield, um, and and so seeing South Carolina go downfield a little more uh, against um, the, uh, the the Vanderbilt Commodores, that that gives you kind of like a okay, well. You know, and I think a lot of times teams have tried to line up and just run it at Tennessee, and what they do is they just load up to stop it. Now, Georgia ran it in spite of Tennessee doing that. So, Gator Bowl, December 30th, huh, Craiger? I will be in Florida during that time. Mm. Maybe maybe take a little drive up to Jacksonville. Well, yeah, won't be that, not that far. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple, a couple hours. So. Um I would like Michael says I would like to see the end around of Brooks more often. Maybe switch it up with Leggett. Yeah, I thought Xavier ran it really well from mm-hmm. when he got the ball from the line of scrimmage. You know, uh, so that's uh, that's one of those things. So that's uh, it could be good. Lady Bree mentions last time the Gamecocks played Florida State in a bowl. Garcia played awful. He did, and he'll mm-hmm. admit that. And that game changed a lot of more. Man, it was a uh, that was a tough. Um, Tough hit he took in that one. Tough hit he took in that one. Yeah. Greg Reed popped him really, really good, and uh, he was out the rest of the game. Gamecocks won that. That's when they first. That was their first loss to six loss. Jimbo <laughs> was in that game, and EJ Manuel. EJ Manuel was just starting to play pretty good and and, and get some draft hype and all that. And so that was that was twenty ten. And he won, Jimbo won it all in 2013. I think that was for Jimbo's first year after taking over for Bowden. Yeah. Um, but Florida State's a different group this year. They've got uh, – they've been sort of up and down at times, but I think they uh, – I think it'd be a good matchup. You know, you always – that's a matchup everybody can get excited about, you know, FSU and South Carolina. 
So we'll see what happens. Happy, happy, happy. He says, one thing's for sure. If the game guys don't get it together on both sides of the ball, we're looking at six and six, which seems pretty certain at this point. I don't know. You know, <laughs> not ready to call it certain, but yeah, you got it. Uh, they're going to be underdogs the last three. I mean, because two of them are on the road. Tennessee's top five team still. So, uh, but hey, you, you never know. You, you get confidence and you build on the, the problem. See, I'm hesitant to say, okay, this offense is doing this now. So, therefore, it's going to be fine. Right. I'm, I'm saying if they continue to do this, I think they're going to be all right. But we've never gotten that two games in a row, right? It, it happens one game, and it doesn't happen the next, and it doesn't happen the next. And so I just don't know. Yeah, who knows? I know it's just you, just, you can't predict what what we're going to do on offense. I mean, you know, and I know ultimately that's what you're trying to do is not be predictable. But <laughs> my man, thing. if you get away from what you did this week, you're going back to the predictability of what <laughs> you'd been doing all year long. <laughs> oh no, Peter! Rick, Rick, Rick is from Jacksonville. Uh, Rick says, "Bring Beamer Ball to the Gator." I'm all for it. Yeah, man. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Just go to the, go to the landing and see people. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, if being the optimal word, happy, happy, happy says. So yeah, that's uh, crazy. But yeah, Phil, you know, a win's a win. I mean, you're certainly happy. One day that Vanderbilt, like Jamie said last week, one day that Vanderbilt streak's going to end. One day Vanderbilt will be Carolina again in football. Um, I'm just glad it didn't happen this year. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like there, there's sometimes where it's like you take what's called an inconvenient loss. That would have been an inconvenient loss to me. Oh, yeah. This is not a, not it's not a good time, Vandy, to beat South Carolina right now. Just just wait a couple of years or something. And, you know, pull a Titanic upset. But yeah, Vandy eventually turns around, and beats out. I mean, they beat Georgia. In Kirby Smart's first year. So that's one of his few losses to an SEC East team. They lost they lost to Vanderbilt first in Athens, no doubt. But anyway, uh Quantrell says Greg Greg Reed, what a throwback. Valdosta legend. Yeah, special guy, special player. I remember covered him as a recruit. Wow, all that good stuff. DD Short says we have so many weapons on offense. Let's hope Sack keeps mixing it up. And, and Carolina does. I mean, I've tried to say this. Because there's a crowd out, a vocal minority of Gamecock fans out there that that, that they they really almost they hate everything about Muschamp, including the recruiting he did, right? right. And so they're like, so in their world, in their Gamecock worldview, this team has like bottom of the league talent. There are no playmakers. There's no players. Blah 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 blah, and it's only a few. I don't even know if it's anybody on the chat box, but but they they all they want to throw it all on Will Muschamp. He left a bunch of players and left a mess, and Shane and Marcus have got to clean it up. And I, I just don't think when you watch what some of these guys do when they get a chance that, that that we can sit there and legitimately say these guys aren't playmakers. Now, um, I, I think you've got like Juice Wells, who is clearly like an NFL guy. Uh, is a guy like Xavier Leggett? Well, they were talking about it on the chat box earlier. He could probably get there. You know, um, Marshawn Lloyd is. Uh, some of the other guys, maybe not. But they're good enough college players to where this offense should be producing, including Spencer Rattler, DeKaron Jordan, or whoever. So, uh, and I thought, you know, look, you, you can interpret the play calling and all that ten different ways. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought they did a good job calling plays to keep Vandy off balance. Uh, but what I liked about it the most, 
they spread them out, made them defend the entire field. That 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 takes pressure off your linemen. That takes pressure off uh, your backs, and it gives them more room to operate. You know, there's not a bunch of people crowded around, uh, and that that's what kind of has concerned me about this offense for two years. There's just too many people around. Yeah. You're running into your own guys. I mean, you know, uh, I thought the plan uh, of attack in terms of where they are going to attack the field. Saturday night was, was great. And whoever decided to do that, Mark Satterfield, Shane Beamer, whoever, hats off to you. That's right. Good job. Uh, I'm Chunk says, is Spalding done for the season? Yeah, it looks that way. And that's unfortunate because when he got back healthy, he played really well, and he got hurt again. So yeah. that's uh, that's so sad uh, for him because I, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, he also says if Lloyd comes back this week, I think they stop playing Jaheim again. Well, Jaheim needs to play, like I said, in the receiver. I guess mean, he's that's what he's good at. You can hand him the ball four or five times a game. I have no problem with that. But I don't know. Happy, happy, happy. He says Gamecocks forever to thee with a bunch of emojis. And yeah, there's a soccer ball in here. Yeah, Congratulations yeah. mm-hmm. to the women's soccer team. Ruined Alabama's perfect season. That, that was kind of like a kick six uh, type mm-hmm. of shocker for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, um, won the SEC. And, yeah, so uh, South Carolina, outside of women's basketball, they, they don't have a collection of SEC championship trophies. I think during the Tanner era in baseball, they were in, won just as many SECs. <laughs> I think they won two regular season or three and then one tournament. So maybe a little more than the national championship. <laughs> um, bas- men's basketball's only won it once. You know, uh, you can go back in time, but. Uh, and uh, uh, women's soccer matters in the SEC. A lot of great programs. So hats off to the women's soccer team to uh, you know for for beating Alabama, winning the SEC, and moving on to the uh, national tournament now. So that that's pretty pretty happy for for those gals uh, and that coaching staff. Well, we're out of time. I've babbled on already. Uh, back tomorrow with uh, so do we did do we have a winner from Sawyer yet of the giveaway? We will announce that tomorrow. Ah, good. All right, so we got that. So you, whoever gets the prize pack will get the prize pack, and uh, and then we'll go go from there. Um, so, and, and DD Short, I'm, I'm just going to respond to this real quick. We have to score 35-plus, maybe 40 with this defense we have. Keep in mind, this is not the defense they've had all year. They can bounce back. I mean, they've had a couple of – they had an ominous start against Missouri and a bad game straight up against Vandy. Um, sometimes that's a sign that people have figured your defense out. And so you, you're screwed, really, for the rest of the year. You can't <laughs> stop anybody. But sometimes it's not. And keep in mind, too, right before the Gamecocks played Florida last season, um, and I'm not – Keith calls them quitters. I'm not sure they quit. There was something not quite right. But, you know, if you look at how Florida's season ended up, they ended up beating Florida State and going and playing in a bowl and all that. Uh but keep in mind, Gamecocks defense couldn't do much with AM last year in that game. They rallied, came back, uh, and stopped Florida's offense, which is difficult to stop. They held the quarterback to under 100 yards rushing, uh, Emory Jones or whoever. So, you know, they can have success. All right, really getting out of here this time. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks Show. Thanks for joining us, and we'll holla at you tomorrow. <laughs>